Welcome back to another episode of Boutcast. It is one of your favorite guys of the internet, Jordan, and uh, today we'll be going over uh, a little bit of a state of union, so a little bit of an update of what Aboutcast is going to be about um, for the remainder of the year, and kind of the game plan when it comes to that, and then I'm also going to sneak in a, a story slash kind of help you itinerary for a vacation to Italy. I just took one and just got back this last weekend. Um, and so happy to kind of give you guys the rundown of that, specifically the parts that I went that are a little bit tourist heavy, and then we can go on from there. But without further ado, um, for some of you guys who are probably vets of the about cast, and even if you are a super vet of the, um, off the top podcast, which was the original joint, um, you can already tell that I haven't asked Julian how he's doing or, you know, Julian, my, my co-host hasn't chimed in yet. And the reason why is because Julian right now is taking a little bit of a sabbatical with actually recording. Um, nothing bad going on in his life at all. It's actually good things. Um, you know, the homie just had a really cool life experience. And so he's going to be taking a couple months off of actually recording, but have no fear. He's still going to have kind of artistic influence on what we are actually coming out with and kind of the note process or the kind of behind the scenes stuff of the actual podcast itself. So um, don't be too afraid. He's not going too far away, but um, you know, he will be uh, probably having an arm's reach uh, influence on the podcast for a little bit now. So finally we can take our relationship to the next level. Um, you know, the love triangle was the best, but being that I love all the attention, I can't wait till we can have a launching pad for the rest of the stuff. But anyway, um, enough with the, uh, with those, uh, relationship jokes and meandering, um, we will be talking about specifically what Aboutcast is going to be planned for or what we're planning for Aboutcast for the remainder of 2020. And so the plan is, is basically due to the fact that we've been getting some real good love and thank you guys so much for, um, you know, listening, the downloads, the feedback and all of that stuff on the historical leader side. I think we're going to be keeping on pushing with those and try to do those bi-weekly like we have been um, with them being kind of quite research heavy. Because, you know, you definitely want to do your homework on things like that. And there's a lot of factual and analytical work to getting behind the scenes on some of those leaders and intricate characters of history. Um, we'll still be doing that and uh, pushing along forward with that. And also kind of synthesizing some of the regular aboutcast stuff that we normally get and possibly um, getting a kind of interim co-host in as well whenever, you know, the time arises or the opportunity arises to kind of like hop on with a tandem again um, while Julian is is uh, absent. So that's what you guys can expect. Um, once again, please don't be afraid to uh, give us some more feedback on exactly what leaders you guys would be curious about as far as throughout history. It could even be, you know, today's day and age because we haven't done one of those yet. Um, the guys that we've been doing are dead. Um, and so, yeah, just uh, shoot us shoot us the shot and uh, we'll get back to you and try to provide 
one of those, or at least, you know, get your voice heard out there. Um, love hearing from you guys. It's definitely a two-way street when it comes to putting out podcasts. It's for you guys, so uh, don't be afraid to reach out. Um, anyway, I think that's kind of covered the bases of, you know, Julian, um, what we're planning on doing for the rest of the year. And now we can kind of jump into uh, the trip to Italy and kind of some logistical stuff that I think is important and um, uh, further on. But to kind of round that out first, I want to just lay the groundwork of where I actually went. And so in Italy, I went to number one, I went to Milan, um, spent a couple days there, um, went to took a day trip to Lake Como, which is super interesting, gorgeous. From there, I went to Venice for a couple days and then went up to the Dolomites, which is the all northern Italy. And then the Dolomites are kind of the mountain range closer to Austria and um, in that area specifically. And each of these places are like quite unique and like characteristically so. And of course, um, being that all of those places, especially Milan and Venice, are places that kind of are world renowned for their own specific thing. I figured it'd be a cool kind of run through on exactly what you can expect and what you'd be getting out of each individual city and what you can actually do there, or at least from my experience and uh, how, how I kind of came about it. So number one, coming into Italy is fairly easy. It's almost like any international airport or any country flying in. Um, obviously, with today's day and age, um, I definitely would suggest looking specifically for your country and feedback on if Italy's accepting, um, you know, people from where you're from or where you're traveling from and so on, um, because it can vary, or at least, you know, you might have to get there and then quarantine, or when you get back, you might have to quarantine. So things like that, um, definitely do your homework on and due diligence because that'll be important for having the best trip possible. But anyway, so place to place, um, when when I was in Milan, I found it, uh, you know, quite a big city and a lot of, you know, classic, like a lot of fashion stuff. So if you're a big shopper, then that's the place to go. They had a huge like shopping center. Um, and in the middle of it was this giant, massive like cathedral, which was super interesting, which you can go into and kind of like walk around. Um, and this is all um, scoped out for mid-September 2020, so if things have changed, um, then it is past the time that I went, and of course, the later this goes on, if you're li listening to this in 2025, what's up from the past, and, um, you know, expect things to probably be a little bit different, um, depending on the environment of whenever you're listening to it. So, anyway, um, Milan was, like, really cool, uh, very, like, you know, there's a lot of young people there, um, like quite lively city and, you know, with the shopping, that's what I mainly got out of it. Of course, there's like some really historically like cool and interesting things, but you know, when you're thinking about Italy when, in like history, you'll be thinking about, you know, probably more of Rome, uh, where you could find a tower of Pisa or things like that. But one thing I do highly recommend if you are into shopping and then beautiful scenery, I highly recommend going to Milan and then taking a day trip to a place called Como. And it is a little bit up north, um, part of kind of, it's actually really interesting. So when a, at a certain level or stage, 
you get into very Germanic Italy. And I know that sounds probably um, very odd to hear. It's almost like saying uh, British American or something like that. But um, the closer you get to the border of Austria and Germany, the closer you get to like German influences on things. So for instance, the further you go up, you'll start finding like German names, German architecture, which is definitely the case in places in like Milan, where um, you'll definitely see like, you know, the German finger fingerprints on the city itself. So super interesting. But back to the case of Como, this is like one of the most um, serene and picture picture um, photogenic places that you could go um, around kind of northern Italy, I'd say. And the reason why is because on Lake Como, it's kind of a big and long lake, but you can take a foil boat and this foil boat, uh, what you'll do is you'll just like walk to the bay or where the water is at. Uh, I guess it's not a bay because it's not a sea, but um, walk to where the water is at and then you'll see a boat office. When you get to them, you know, you'll probably want to ask for a one-way ticket to Bellagio. And those are done by the speedboats, usually, if you're not taking a car or anything like that. And um, it'll take you a speedboat from Como to Bellagio, which is kind of one of those classic, if you guys are like big fans of um, getting on Instagram and looking at kind of like travel influencers, there's tons of Bellagio stuff there. Super picturesque city, um, really gorgeous colors, um, the whole thing surrounded by these mountains that are kind of circling this lake and it is just kind of picturesque like I was saying before highly recommend it um as far as places or things to do on on Bellagio itself uh there's like some shopping you could do some souvenir stuff but from what I got out of it it seemed like one of those places that you can kind of um just drink some wine have a good time look at the kind of the view and just kind of soak up the good weather and stuff like that. Um, and once again, I think that um, kind of like this combo of Milan and Como would be perfect, like really great for like a couple's getaway. Um, so if you wanted to line those things up and kind of like maybe spend a whole day in Como or a whole day or like Como slash Bellagio, I think is probably sufficient. And a whole day in Milan, that'd be like a smooth weekend. And so you can get about your business after that. Um, if you want to take it a little bit more slower pace, then of course do that. Um, and then you can go from there. Uh, probably my parting words for Milan is that uh, depending on where you're at in the city, you can kind of get a different feel. There's also a castle in Milan that I went to. Super interesting, like crazy big um, that overlooks a like giant park. So if you wanted to do that, it's a little bit off the grassy knoll as far as, you know, going to the train station to go to Como and stuff like that. But you could definitely fit it into, um, you know, a full day of itself or just kind of have a chilled one. But, um, yeah, Milan's cool. There's a lot of software there. And plus, it's really easy to get from Milan to a whole bunch of other places in Italy, being that its train station is relatively big. And from there, what happened was I went from Milan, spent a couple of days there, like I said, to Venice. Now, Venice is obviously the popular girl at school as far as kind of classic Italian trips. You want to go to Venice, Florence, um, of course, Rome and things like that. Uh, and so I think that 
taking the train was super easy. Uh, it, granted, it is a little bit of a ways. So there's two options usually. Uh, a straight line, straight shot, which is probably, it's well, it's definitely going to be a little more expensive. But um, we're still talking, you know, I think when I went, it was about 50, 50 euros to do the straight shot. Or you could do like 21 euros to um, like get a train. It'll take you most of the way there. And then you have to like switch off or transfer to another train and then just go um, a quick way to Venice. But Venice is like, if you guys haven't been, it's an interesting creature as far as I'm concerned. Um, you have this really, really, I mean, like historically rich place that's so tiny and literally out on the sea. So when you're taking the train in, you see like literally it's just this highway or these railways, of course, if you're on the train. That literally just goes over the water to this like kind of this island and um, super interesting. Um, and it has like you almost going to a different world because outside the city, it's there's nothing there really. But maybe like a, a probably a clever spot to stay if you wanted to make it affordable, um, depending on when you go. Obviously, uh, accommodation fluctuates. I would say if you did it around that, you probably wouldn't come out. And then it's probably like eight pounds uh, a trip into the city, which you can make a whole day about or eight, eight uh, euros. Um, and so more of on the city itself. Venice, like I said, was interesting. Really good food, depending on where you go. Uh, I would definitely stay away from like the more like super um, like, you know, the easy kind of the magnets of like tourists. Um, one, because there's some really good food in Venice or there's some really okay food in Venice. And from what I've seen is that you can find some pretty smooth stuff if you just kind of, um, walk a little bit further. And also a thing to kind of know is these homies will finesse if they can. And when I say that, I mean, you will have like cutlery charges. I've heard of those. I never, I never saw those on any of my stuff. Um, but that'd be insane to see. And then there's like, um, it's popular to see like a service charge or a cover charge. I have a couple euros um, on any place you go to. So even before food, you will see a charge of you know like let's say two euros or something. Um, you know, obviously. Depending on who you are, you're probably less bothered by that or not. But I just think it's ridiculous to, you know, before you get your food, before anything, you get charged for something. Um, and so, yeah, highly recommend, like I was saying, kind of doing your research on Google Maps, looking for good restaurants, stuff like that, and walk past the like super touristy areas before then. And, um, Anyway, you'll have to walk past those areas if you got the train to get to the really good stuff like the um, and see, this is another classic one for me and Julian. Um, so I'm going to keep this, the, the tradition alive. Um, there's a place called the Doge's Palace, and it could be pronounced a different way. I'm sure, you know, missing out on my Italian um, inflection there. But uh it's one of the most opulent things I've ever seen in my life, guys. Like, talking about, like, people flexing with just, like, money. Like, this was, like, an all-time level historical flex. And um, it's just incredible. Like, it had, they claimed to be the largest room in Europe. Um, I'm not sure exactly what a room is. 
because, you know, a room technically might be a stadium, which it wouldn't, you know, it couldn't rock with a stadium sized or anything like that. But you could definitely fit if you were squeezing it, maybe like four, maybe three basketball courts in it. Um, so like quite big, quite big for sure. And it just was kind of like talking about how the power of Venice kind of came about, um, being that, you know, they got a lot of money from like trades and stuff and, um, from incoming countries and kind of being a port city. So, um, and then growing from there, but, uh, yeah, super interesting, a lot of history there. And it's just like a key to it is like, you know, just getting lost in the place and, um, you know, of course, you do the classic stuff. And this is like cupcake stuff, right, fellas? So, you know, you go to Milan, you go to Como, you go to Venice. Cupcake with the, uh, you know, the gondola ride and stuff like that. And um, there's a lot of, like, romantic stuff when it comes to Venice. So um, you could take advantage of it and be kind of relatively flexible. There's, like, you know, different islands, I guess you can call it. So you have the island of Murdano and Borano. Um, and Burano, I guess if I can say it in an American way, is specifically more about their colorful buildings. So we're talking IG pictures and they also have some like pretty cool, like fish, um, you know, like seafood just because it's kind of a fisherman's town. Um, it's going to be way less busy than obviously Venice is. And also if you're into this, they also have a lace museum as well. Um, and granted, I did not go to Burano, but it was definitely one that I almost popped on. Um, you just have to take one of their, so they have, uh, actually river buses and so, or water buses, maybe it's either or, but, um, essentially what it is, it's just like kind of a public transit to each individual island. So highly recommend doing that if, uh, that tickles your fancy. Other than that, I think the kind of the keys for Venice is, Obviously getting lost kind of in the alleys, um, going to the museum of the palace, just because I don't think that you'll find very many other places with that type of opulence or history in it. Um, it's just like kind of quite fascinating if you're into that stuff. Obviously go to kind of the more local spots, get your gelato in um, for sure. And also, of course, stop by any island that kind of tickles your fancy. And, and then I think you kind of can wrap up Venice from there. So congratulations on hitting Milan, Como, Venice, and its presiding islands. And the next stop is one of the most gorgeous and most beautiful places I've ever been in my life, guys. It is the Dolomites. So specifically, I went to a place called Ortesia. And it is uh, about three hours away from Venice. I think the, depending on how you wanted to do it, the bigger city is called Bolzano. You can get a train from Venice to there or kind of just get a train there at least. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be direct. But after that, um, you either have to rely on public transit or going by car. And so I decided to take a, just rent a car. Um, but uh, there's a few things that you want to worry about there. And so number one, so this is important regardless if you're going uh, renting from Italy or like driving in Italy, no matter what, it's probably better if you're a U.S. citizen to have your IDP, which is your in international driver's permit. So I don't know why that was difficult to say. And the reason why is because the Italians are kind of sticklers for that. 
and not specifically kind of your average walk the street Italian and maybe not even your police officers, but the ones that are are the rental companies. So um, story time for me, um, essentially what happened was I was actually going uh, rented a car beforehand. And uh, for those of you who do the research um, before you go, uh, I did as well. And the first sentence on the government website says, get your international driver's permit, essentially. The third says you may also um, use your valid American driver's license and pair it with a certified Italian translation. And then you should be good to go. And essentially, um, that's the one I did because currently right now it takes about four to six weeks to actually get an IDP, which um, I didn't have for this trip. So I ended up going that route, thought, all right, smooth. I got that covered. Let's get it cracking. I'm excited for this trip. Well, um, it didn't go that way for me. Uh, essentially what happened, long story short, a lot of frustration short. Um, I went to my rental car company. They said, yeah, we're not accepting that. Um, as far as my valid U.S. driver's license and my Italian translation, uh, you know, showed them showed them exactly what it was about as far as, you know, that I'm good to go. As far as the kind of Italians government, the Italian government's practices, they did not give uh, a rat's ass. And so essentially what I had to do is pivot. And so from there, if you are like me in this situation, what I did was literally I was 30 minutes away from just buying a plane ticket and just saying, F it, I'm just cutting my trip half by half and just going home eating my kind of hotel costs in the Dolomites. But before I did that, before I started looking for plane tickets, I looked at a forum and I think it was about three to five years ago. Some guy was saying on this random forum that Hertz didn't check him for a driver's license as far as his IDP, but asked for his US one or accepted his US one. And he used that to get into the uh, get into his rental car and he was good to go. So tried that. Um, as far as my experiences, it went smoothly and I was off to the races. Granted, you know, obviously way more expensive. So. If you aren't planning on getting your IDP, you're going like really last minute and need to drive. Um, you could try that. I heard that AAA also is like somewhat convenient or Drive Italia. The website might help you out too if you're in a pinch. But um, Hertz came through clutch for me. So, um, you know, keep that in your back pocket if uh, stuff goes awry. And so essentially, um, I'm not, well, first off, I'm not even going to say the car company that I, or rental company that I tried to rent with. Um, I know it's going to sound silly that this podcast is small, but still would not want to utter their name, just like Voldemort. And anyway, so I was off. But anyway, talking about how gorgeous this place is, it's essentially the mountain ranges, like I was saying. So a lot of hiking, um, depending on what day or what time of year you're going, it could be a lot of skiing instead, a lot of mountain biking and good stuff like that. And I went to, well, during obviously the non-ski season, uh, being that it was in September and it was breathtaking. So amazing, so vast. Um, but plan out your days because some places are a little bit further away than others. Um, there's good websites for that stuff, but for me, 
um, I can give you kind of a rundown of exactly what I went. So the first thing I did was go to a place called Val Gardena. And there it was just like one of the largest, um, like actually like prairies, or I think they called it one of the largest uh, alpine plateaus in Europe. So it's honestly like some of the most expansive stuff I've seen. Um, I'll be sure to drop a link in the description of some of the pictures I took of it. And essentially, it's super easy from the place I was at, which is Ortesi or Ortesse. Uh, essentially, there's an alpine cable car that you can go and essentially just walk, take the cable car for like 19 euros or so. Um, and then you get a round trip. Um, and very important that you know that the cable car is closed at six. So you don't have um, life altering. Um, I have to run 15 kilometers and if like hike 15 kilometers in three, three and a half hours type of stress, because uh, that is definitely something that I did. Um, but I made it. So that's always good. And then from there, uh, another like kind of really cool thing that you can do is do the walk across the um, Alpi de Suisse or uh, in English, that is the Caesar Alm. And essentially what this is, is that's the kind of um, other trails on the actual plateau itself. And along that too, what you can do is actually, I mean, there's a whole bunch, there's a whole bunch to do. And some of those have to do with once you get there, there's literally probably a hundred kilometers worth of hikes that you can do. So uh, once you get there, just kind of make a day of it. Please don't bite off too much more than you can chew. Um, and then you can do those for a couple days. Um, and it's really cool. You can see amazing things, very like biodiverse. Um, of course it's just fields, Alpine and stuff like that. But, um, there's hikes that you can, and essentially I'm talking about the hikes that are diverse hikes where you're climbing up mountains, hikes when you're going down mountains, um, where you're kind of just like chilling, walking across a prairie or going up and down, like hiking and like walking by rivers and stuff like that. So uh, lots and tons of stuff to do there for you. Um, from there, um, you can also, depending on where you're going, I stayed in Ortesi, but you can also go to, uh, it's a little bit of a drive, maybe about two hours, an hour and a half to a place called Lago di Sorepis. And so essentially it's just one of the most like insanely like gorgeous lakes. It is literally like turquoise blue. Um, you can't swim in it, unfortunately, but it's, it's a little bit of a hike too, which is actually fun. Um, I think it, the hike was about two and a half hours for me. So five total, five hours of hiking total, like there and back to this place, but really, really gorgeous. They call it the pearl of the Dolomites for a reason, just because of how gorgeous this place is. So definitely if you're around those areas, like the punishment, highly recommend going there. And then one of my last trips there was some of the most gorgeous things I've ever seen. Definitely do yourself a favor if you're going, get there. It's called Lago de Bryce. Uh, also, another name for it is Pragerser uh, Wildersea or Wildsea. And it essentially is, it's actually really, really nice because all you can do, like you really need to just kind of like walk a hundred meters or so or, um, about like a football field's length from the parking lot to see this most gorgeous like lake with a boathouse on it. 
covered by mountains and forestry. I mean, it sounds like exactly uh, every other trip that I was talking about kind of around the area, but it is so gorgeous. Uh, there's also an easy hiking loop there. Um, and then depending on what day you're going, um, or not day, but the time you're going, um, there, you also have to pay like for parking and stuff like that. And it kind of fluctuates from there. But essentially, um, my trip to kind of like fully overall, as far as my Northern Italy trip was amazing. Um, especially in the Dolomites. I mean, there's like, you know, give or take, I really missed being able to express myself more than saying like, ciao, grazie, uh, prego, which is welcome. Grazie. Thank you. Ciao. Hi. Um, and buongiorno, which is good morning, and uh, things like that. But you'd be surprised on kind of the amount of English speakers there are there. Um, but very, very non-diverse um, as far as like kind of like the demographics, which kind of makes sense. Um, so that's that's something that you look for in trips. Diversity. Um, don't don't expect that there. And um, but it is extraordinarily amazing. Some of the most beautiful things you'll ever see uh very very german as far as kind of culture and also well it's kind of like a brackish water between german and italy i'd say um you can see that through the food you can also see that through the architecture which is extraordinarily german but yeah my trip so f i would say definitely the couple stuff milan like como venice hit that you'll be you'll be the best your significant other Super, super, super couples friendly. Um, and if you guys are also up to like hiking and getting after it, then the Dolomites are going to be at the top of your list as far as seeing beautiful things. And then also kind of physically pushing yourself as well, which is um, kind of gives you it all really essentially on a trip like that. You get your culture, you get your history, you get your kind of like kickback and relax type moments, and then you can absolutely get after it. So um, hope you guys enjoyed this. Tried to make it punchy. Um, and of course, you guys can be expecting more leaders and leader breakdowns from here on out. And it's only going to be your boy. Um, but I can't wait to take this relationship to the next level. Thank you once again for listening. And I will see you on the next one. Peace.